Peas in a Pod is a podcast that interviews Princeton students about the unique perspectives, passions, pursuits and other peas by having open and honest conversations with various Princeton students. Peas in a Pod hopes to promote student discourse on salient or overlooked issues, uplift college student voices beyond an elite institutional brand and provide a peek into the student generation and the complex world of higher education. Season 3 of Peas in a Pod has just launched and links to all listening platforms can be found at peasinapod.budsprout.com. You can also follow Peas in a Pod on Instagram at peasinapod where you can participate in their polls and playlist series and on Twitter at peasinapodnetwork. And now for today's show. Native industries are merely mess. Artists livelihoods are torn to shreds. The government will spoil your hopes and dreams by offering a useless retraining scheme. There's such amazing talent, why can't you see that the government has decimated the industry? And now the years of hard work have been thrown away. And people who don't care will be well say. Just get a real job. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Just Get A Real Job. Yeah, so I just wanted to say before we start, as always, massive thank you to everyone that's been listening so far. Um, me and Elliot actually had the chance to look at the statistics today and we would basically worked out we'd got about According to the data, about 70 people are coming back to listen to each episode. Like, So not just 70 new listeners, 70 people are regularly returning to listen to each episode, which is brilliant. So thank you to everyone who keeps coming back. And thanks to everyone who's just listening in general. That We really appreciate your support. But anyway, today's episode is with the lovely Delilah Rose Neal, who is a very talented filmmaker and cinematographer based in Glasgow. Uh, and I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to Delilah a couple of weeks ago, and we had a really nice conversation. So I'll stop rambling, and we'll get on with today's show. Hey! Thanks for coming on. Good to see no you. No worries. Nice uh, to see you too. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. Um, it's pretty dry in Glasgow today, so that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> living the lockdown life. Yeah, oh, absolutely loving it. It's just great. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm in the little um, podcast cupboard we've been using. There's like, you know, got who are there and some like, you know, sound yeah, room. Some groovy posters as well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I know. I've got like a Smythe's tribute band poster next to me. So oh, nice. 2015. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought I would start by sort of talking to you. Well, you're a cinematographer. We just done an, an MA in that. And like, you're also kind of like a filmmaker. You've done quite a lot of cool creative stuff but yeah I thought we'd just start by sort of talking about your earliest creative influences oh so I guess earliest like childhood influences I mean always like I guess everyone is going to say their parents um but definitely my parents I come from quite a like a creative family um my dad works in tv um he works in documentaries but he works in tv and my mum lectures film and tv theory so like a very filmy (laughs) family um not that they never actually like pushed me to do it though to be fair like there was never any I never felt that they were saying I should do it I kind of came to it myself and then they encouraged me but yeah they were they always like 
showed us you know like film and tv and and art and stuff was like stuff we experienced growing mm. up and yeah like I just love to like I guess a kid you always like to play pretend and I like <laughs> making things I was very into crafts as a child so like very crafty yeah. <laughs> um and yeah that's probably my earliest like my parents and then I did a lot of like drama groups that's like okay. classic you know did you were you acting in that stuff yeah yeah which is like my god I'm not an actor um, no I was but, the same <laughs> yeah but I like love those groups I love like spending time I think you just want to play with your friends don't you and, like, yeah no, they're, they're really fun yeah and I just like you know I was in a really good group actually called Anchor which uh A-N-K-U-R um and they basically were a drama group where they had kids from Glasgow and then also kids who were asylum seekers in the oh, like wow. drama group yeah and it was super cool and like that that's probably the earliest like creative thing I did that wasn't like you know drawing a picture at school and stuff that was like when I was like I was really quite young like 10 to 13 I was in that group and then yeah then classic you get to high school and then I got really into music so um in high school I was very like much in the music department I played the trumpet and and I still do and then and I sang too so I was involved in Mm -hmm. all of that so yeah then for a while I was like very much just like I know I want to be an artist um (laughs) but like I didn't really know what um creative path to like follow but yeah so probably earliest influence is like my parents and then coming to high school I was very into music so probably like all my music teachers and stuff and I do think that that drama group was also a big thing for me was there like a certain type of music that you like you really resonated with or was it just sort of music in general yeah I mean I think obviously at first it's always when you're young it's like what's in the charts yeah obviously one of those Um, albums yeah exactly I was all about Jessie J Mika massive Mika fan (laughs) yeah oh I'm still a huge fan of Mika so (laughs) like nothing yeah he's great um but yeah like um I was very into jazz I got very into jazz Mm. when I from when I got about when I was about 14 um that was when I first listened to like Miles Davis god it sounds so <laughs> I it's, it's so like on one hand it's like being like I listen to jazz but then also like Miles Davis is like that's like basic <laughs> but I love Miles Davis he's yeah. so cool and yeah I was I was mega into that stuff and then I like as I got a bit older I got more involved in jazz singing so then I was involved in like a few projects around Glasgow that were for jazz singers and I was in the National Youth Jazz Orchestra of Scotland for about five years or four years maybe I'm adding a year there because it was so important (laughs) in my life I was in it for four years um so yeah jazz was probably my biggest like that was the music even now like I just love jazz and then um it's just such good type of music and then um you shared a jazz video on your Instagram the other day and I I watched that and I really enjoyed it like a singer yeah that's good oh yeah that is like that was some that's some amazing stuff that's a friend of mine yeah who I met through well actually we went to school together and then we became closer because of the jazz stuff that we did together but yeah like that it's just so fundamental and then I guess I also folk has always been a big Mm. like inspiration for me which is probably also maybe a slightly patriotic thing yeah is Um, it what type of folk are you like sort of meaning in that and when you say so I like a lot of of trad so right now I'm really into a band called the gloaming um yeah, that are like a kind yeah you know that you know who I mean so they're amazing I love the gloaming so I like a lot of like 
just basically instrumental trad or like Gaelic singing trad. And then other than that, I like a lot of, I guess people would call it like pop folk. I'm very into like King Creosote, you know, who's from like up near St. Andrews. And and then obviously like a ton of stuff from down south is also great. But I mean, King Creosote is probably like a defining artist in my life of like someone <laughs> that inspires me as well. I probably listened to him since I was like 12 and still listen to him obsessively now. He's yeah. amazing. You're actually one of the first uh, Scottish guests we'd had on the podcast as well, but yes. um, which is exciting. But I'd also, I'm speaking a lot about the stuff you did in Glasgow there. Um, I mean, I'm a wee East Coaster, so but I could do nice, like nice. Glasgow. And um, I just wonder, because obviously Glasgow is a really artistic city. Mm-hmm. Did you think like living there and growing up in Glasgow had like a, also had quite a big influence on you sort of artistically? Yeah, totally. Like, it's just like such a creative city. And I think that's it's also because like it it kind of gets its personality from the stuff that's going on there mm-hmm. rather than like the way it looks, if that yeah. makes sense. Because it's got I think Glasgow has lots of parts of it that are beautiful, but it also has like massive parts of it that are not that nice to look at. Um, all the people are always like, you know, so friendly, like and so artistic. Like there's a ton of arts programs here and like also just loads of opportunities for the arts mm-hmm. for in like all areas I mean it is like the music city of Scotland yeah, mm-hmm. um and like it is I mean it kind of um the interesting thing about Glasgow is <laughs> that it like lost all its industry when mm-hmm. the shipbuilding you know went away yeah um and I feel like it kind of is a lost city in that it doesn't have the identity that it had before and in a way, that's why it's now a home for the arts, because it's a place where people come to like find and make and express things that mm-hmm. they don't they haven't found yet. It has an it has a strong like social identity. But then other than that, it's pretty like free for people to like express themselves, I think. Yeah, that definitely had a massive influence on me. Like I found when I because I moved to Edinburgh when I did my undergrad. Yeah, which will come li- to you, Yeah. Yeah. And I when I lived in Edinburgh, I found the contrast between the cities very like um I was surprised uh, yeah. at how much more artistic I felt Glasgow was even though Edinburgh is like the home of the fringe well it's actually uh, yeah the, I remember when because I mean I've lived in Edinburgh for six years and I do love Edinburgh but like I totally conceived Glasgow is like way more artistic and better for the arts in that sense but I think the thing with Edinburgh is because the fringe is here people think mm. oh Edinburgh is a really culturally artistic city and it, it does have that aspect to it but it's usually just for one month a year that we sort of have that and like yeah. the money only goes into really one month a year and a lot of people who come out to the fringe aren't locally either which is not a bad yes thing, oh a- my god yeah. but it does drive you crazy like you know it when does. you when you live in Edinburgh and then you have the one month of the fringe and all the people come up and they this is they act like they know Edinburgh so well yeah. and you're like you like they'll even things like this used to really get my goat like get my goat <laughs> Ah, um, because they had so you know like Tviet, like the student mm. union that's called Tviet. So that's like rebranded as Gilded Balloon, like mm. for for the French. And I had like family from down south that like came to visit me at one point, like during um 
like just during norm- normal non-fringe times and they were like oh let's meet at gilded balloon and i was like i was like it's not that's not what it is i know we exist more than one month a year <laughs> yeah exactly and like all the people that like live in edinburgh all year round and then they have to like suffer the like no i know the congress of souls that is yeah that you know but at the same time like I say that but like I work the fringe every year I, know, I have a lovely <laughs> relationship with the fringe I absolutely love it and I was, it was weird not having it this I did miss it this yeah. year it was yeah, odd. it was nice sometimes when you could go for a walk in August and enjoy it and it was quiet but <laughs> yeah and the, the meadows like actually had grass yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like then on the other hand like yeah I missed it a lot this year too and it's one of the best times to just go see like when else do you get a chance to like see so much theatre like all in one place and music and art and like you know but Glasgow has like that buzz all year round as you were saying oh totally I mean definitely not right now because of no, uh, because of corona oh my god to the barras or something oh it's gonna be good yes I know the last the last gig I saw here was I saw hot chip at the barlands oh, nice. which was it was immense it was so good yeah because the bath full of ecstasy album which I think some people said to me they didn't think it was that good but I think that's actually a sick album um and it was a very good gig it was such a good yeah. gig they're like one of those bands that they're not like the sort of typical music I listen to but I really like hot chip they're just like really catchy yeah and like they just have honestly like when they're on stage they just have such a good vibe like Joe Goddard especially has just like the vibe of kings like whenever I watch him on stage I'm like yes yeah no that's awesome so no so anyway I think we'll be talking about like cities for ages and <laughs> just like um so yeah but we're sort of back to like you're sort of as a teenager and you're doing this sort of drama stuff and this jazz stuff so you sort of saying you wanted to be you wanted to sort of work in the arts but you weren't quite sure the exact path um, so you went to Edinburgh and did a degree was it linguistics you did yes yeah I did um so I went to uh the University of Edinburgh for my undergrad um and I did uh linguistics and English language uh so it's basically I always think that English language is just a subset of linguistics mm. just specifically about English so really I did and I focused mainly on I specialized in linguistics so yeah mm. I did a degree in that <laughs> So when you did that, were you sort of still thinking, I want to, you know, have like an artistic career on the side or were you just, because I suppose it kind of almost is artistic as a degree anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny, it's a funny degree because it's kind of a quasi science, like it's a humanity and a science at the same time, depending like on what areas you specialise in. I I remember like not knowing I, I knew I wanted to move somewhere away from home for uni. Um, not that I even moved that far away, but I, I wanted to go somewhere free too. So uh, so I knew I was going to stay in Scotland. And then I just did, I didn't know what to do. And I remember looking at the syllabus and seeing, like reading the description of linguistics and thinking like, oh, I think I find that really interesting. Like I've always found language really interesting and and I like talking and communicating with people. So I was like, well, this will be hopefully, you know, in my ballpark. Um, but at that point, I actually found... I was just finishing high school and I hadn't really done the only like kind of creative subject that I had like pursued in my like last year was I I did do music in my final year Mm -hmm. of high school but I didn't do drama or art and then yeah and I was kind of like oh maybe that I'll come to it again I'd kind of like in a way talked myself out of it maybe I think I felt a little bit like oh maybe this isn't for me or or maybe like that's it's a pipe dream in a way and I was like this is something that I think I'll find interesting and like maybe I'll be a speech therapist 
basically, is what I was thinking when I went to go do the degree. And then whilst I was doing the degree, I was like, no, I want to be, I, this isn't, I love this, but I think I need to pursue the creative stuff. What, so how far into the degree were you when you just sort of decided that? I was at the beginning of the second year of my degree. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, actually, it's very, this is, it's a very, um, I mean, it's not, it's actually not that exciting a story, but so 20, put, put yourself in the year 2016. What you know? a year that was. By yeah. Then. Oh, what really a great, great that year. Apart, you know, take yeah. breaks out of that year and it was great. Yeah, but it was the year that I don't know if you remember that in 2016 the thing was that all the celebrities were dying. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. David Bowie, which oh. yeah, and oh. that's like so basically David Bowie is like, you know, I mean, I'm sure he is for many families in the UK, but like for my family, like me and my sisters and my mom and dad, like David Bowie was like is like the defining artist. Yeah. Like, well, he is for like, me as well. Yeah, and we like love him. Like his albums were like what we were like made to listen to, like as kids. So then when we got older, that was like you know what we wanted to listen to and everything. So when he passed away, like it was very shocking for all of us. Like I think it was more shocking for my dad and my younger sister. Like I was obviously upset, but I I didn't like cry, but they they did cry and stuff. But I just remember being like, oh my god, I can't believe like he's made such an impression on my life and like I don't know how to express that like especially mm. because he's like is an artist that like doesn't know who you are like yeah. he doesn't it doesn't matter to him or his family that they made an impression on my life but I like made I was like oh, I need to do something and I like made oh, a little video art like installation about David Bowie and that was the first thing I made that was like I was like oh I think I'm gonna be an artist now <laughs> <laughs> or like I was like I'm gonna make art again because of because of Bowie <laughs> so no, that, you, you said that wasn't an interest that's that's a fantastic star <laughs> the David Bowie's death was like bizarre because I weirdly I watched the documentary on day I watched the five years documentary the night before David Bowie died because I think the album really? just came out and, it, and then <gasps> yeah my girlfriend at the time woke me up she was also about massive Bowie fan she was crying and she was like mm -hmm. Uh, Jamie David Bowie's died and I'm like I was sort of half asleep but no he hasn't <laughs> no, he yeah hasn't. like go back to Bowie, sleep Bowie's Bowie. never gonna die and then yeah, like exactly. then it sunk in and it was oh my god yeah yeah so. and we lost like you know th that year was crazy because then at the end of the year I felt very bookended so mm. when I made that film about David Bowie which is cannot be found online anymore because I've hidden it away because I okay. don't but I'll, maybe I'll send you a sneak peek of it um oh, yeah. I made that like you know I was like 19 when I made that so quite young and then at the end of the year Leonard Cohen passed away and oh, yeah. I also made a film about Leonard Cohen which is still actually that's still online but yeah I um I made that film about David Bowie and then I said Bo Bowie Bowie David um <laughs> I was like I will um I'll make a film every month so then for about two and a half years I made a short like experimental video every month uh so yeah I made like 32 maybe or like I made I made a lot um and mm -hmm. then yeah which was like that was probably like that's what built my like practice as it were mm -hmm. as like when I when I think about my video art like it comes from I had like I really like held myself to like mm -hmm. a kind of I'm gonna do this and then that meant that some months I made something that was crap and some months I made something that was good based on how much time I had. But like, yeah, I like I would credit that to like that first film that I made.
in 2016 that's so that is like prolific and I love that as well because like even if you as you said if you made one that wasn't as good you're learning from the failures and the mistakes and you're learning from the ones that were good so yeah wow yeah exactly like that was the thing as I was like in a way it was a good way to bite the bullet and just being like okay I'm just gonna make stuff and I'm going to be open to the idea that a lot of the stuff that I'm gonna make will be in my opinion shit yeah and then be like and sometimes I'll make things where I think oh that bit's quite good oh I like when I tried out this effect and so then you end up with like a kind of bank of do's and don'ts as it were and you just learn what you like like I feel like you develop your style you know Mm -hmm. which is something that like I think sometimes people get scared to do something that they don't think is good and that actually holds them back from growth so I think I was kind of I became dedicated to growth (laughs) (laughs) I love I love that stuff about Barry though. It's great. Yeah. Oh, he's just a legend. I know. What? I know. It's still sad, man. Have you seen this yeah. trailer, by the way? Yes. What are they doing? But I I actually so this is what I'll say. I think the movie will be bad. Hmm. I think that Johnny Flynn will be good. Will be will be good. I like Johnny Flynn, and that was yeah. disappointed when I heard he was playing Barry. I thought, oh wow. Yeah. What good casting. <laughs> then they haven't even got the music. Yeah. Which worries me. Yeah, because... That's what it's all about. And I'm like, well, why did they cast Johnny Flynn? They'd wasted him, because he could have been in one further down the line when they had the music. Yeah, and he could... He can he can probably sing them very well. Like, that's the thing. Like, it could even... You know, I was thinking it would be like... It would be like Rocket Man, but even better, because it's Dave Bowie. They could have done that. It would have been... Oh, missed the the track. I'm, like, frustrated that I can't remember how to say it. Like, is it Bowie or Bowie? So I would say Bowie, but I think it might be Bowie. But if I look it up, I can use my knowledge of the phonetic alphabet. Yeah, you, you should know them. It's Bowie. My name's David Bowie. This is David Bowie singing Golden Years. I'll be David Bowie. Oh, I'm David Bowie. I live down the road. Oh. Is this the real David Bowie? <laughs> the world is going to die, says David Bowie. So you... Graduate from the linguistics degree, right? And then do you have a year out before where you started just doing more creative stuff? Yeah, yeah. So whilst I was doing the degree, I started running um, a business where I did event photography and I also did session videos. So because I was involved in the jazz scene, I knew a lot of musicians who needed videos made so I started basically kind of running a business where I like made session music videos for musicians that I knew and so I was doing that throughout the last three years of my degree and then yeah I graduated and I took a year out I lived at home like back with my parents for a year and yeah I just had a part-time job in a gift shop and then the other half of my time I spent doing the session videos and working on creative projects and that was around the time that I started working on things more collaboratively with like my collective and then also yeah I just continued making my own work at a slower pace though I didn't make myself do one a month anymore I I think I kind of I think I I don't know if I ran out of steam but I think it, Mm -hmm. it it came to the point where that was like I had learned as much as I could from this period, that period in a way. Um, but yeah, so I just had a year out where I was kind of dotting about. I did a bit of social media work as well, which I still do. Yeah, so it's kind of like a, an in the middle year for a bit. Yeah, well, no, we all need them. Um, yeah. But do you, do you think uh, it's like that was important, maybe learning that I don't need to do this every month? Because some, I think sometimes in this industry and and in any, any artistic profession, like I feel bad if I'm not, because I'm not actually done any writing for two months since I finished my degree and I feel guilty for that but at the same time I'm like I think I need a break so do you think that's important yeah totally like I I think 
I think it was so important because, you know, I had learned all I could from that period of like experimentation and like, I don't think I would have been able to grow anymore. I think I would have just kept doing the same things. And I always think of it as like, it's like, you don't want to like throw money at a dead horse. Like I was like, I don't want to like keep like trying to like get something out of this when I can feel that this isn't the the way it's working for my like my kind of growth my like practice so yeah sometimes I think of it as like that year was almost like a sponge year like and I think this is maybe similar for the writing thing like I think when you're a creative person like and you're Mm -hmm. expressing yourself and you're using like different techniques you have to like be give yourself time to absorb like the things in your own life that are inspiring you the the other people that inspire you and also like the techniques and skills that you need to like make the piece of work that you're working on and you have to like soak it up like a sponge and like if you're just constantly like wringing yourself out then there's going to be nothing coming out so you need that time sometimes where you just absorb things I love the way I love that like the way you refer to it as a sponge that that's really yeah way of thinking about it yeah I like think imagine my brain as a sponge <laughs> <laughs> oh great yeah and so you had this sort of year and mm-hmm. do you then go to the screen academy obviously to do where we that's how we know each other and you do them mm-hmm. um, film and you do cinematography how yeah did, so how did you find that so I knew I guess like the thing the videos that I made myself um for a long time I shot them myself so I knew I loved camera um like I, I love photography so I, I knew I loved like the the image for me was like a big part of um of filmmaking um yeah. and of like visual art so yeah then I knew that I needed to get better basically <laughs> I just remember looking at like things I was doing and thinking like oh I think if I like if I worked harder at this or I had a bit more like background knowledge I could probably produce the images that are like in my mind instead Mm -hmm. of like only sometimes being able to produce those images so then yeah then I just I just thought I think I need like a degree that will give me a good foundation of that knowledge and that was when I started looking at places to go and I did actually consider going to the glass the University of Glasgow runs a film uh, like a film postgrad um it's it's kind of quite specific to like experimental film and they don't really teach you it's not about practical technique it's kind of about the theory behind what you make and then making it which is also really valuable but I just knew I wanted the practical technique thing and Napier just has like Napier has a really good reputation for practical technique and you know it's skill set approved and everything so I was like this seems like a good place to go also I'm from Scotland so I'll benefit from the SAS funding and everything like you know financially yeah exactly like financially a great decision um from the point of view of finding a cheap master's you know (laughs) maybe not financially a great decision in life to decide to work in film but um, we're all you know we're in the money (laughs) exactly we'll figure it out um but yeah so I I kind of came to it because I wanted to like improve my technical skills basically and I kind of knew for me like when I had worked shooting things before coming to the degree and I think also now having done the 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 masters the thing I found difficult was when I worked with uh directors or producers Mm. and it's very difficult when you're communicating with someone and they don't have the technical knowledge that, that you can both communicate about and I know that in the future like I would love to write and direct um so for me like knowledge of camera and the other technical areas of filmmaking are essential 
just to allow you to communicate like yeah. obviously you would I would still defer to someone who I felt had more expertise but if you can't if you don't understand what language someone's talking to you in then like you can't tell them what you want you know and I was like well I know I love camera so I'm just gonna go here and get get my camera language good and this will be my mm-hmm. pathway to making better stuff myself and also improving my ability to communicate with others about this yeah. area uh, I know and I know it's just kind of a shame that that lockdown happened and COVID and stuff because I know you didn't get to make as many films as you wanted to but yeah you still got a few and I mean we, I spoke to Lev about Ken on episode one of the podcast and you know she said some great things about you and how <laughs> well you work together so I know oh, I she's think, so lovely <laughs> I just wondered how you found you know getting to be DOP on that film and Oh yeah, it was great. I mean, I think one of the best things about being a student studying cinematography is that is that you get to DOP, which is something that like now going into the um the industry, as it were, um, it'll probably be a long time until yeah. I can like DOP again. Um, you know, unless it's on like smaller independent mm-hmm. things that I'm making with like friends, you know. Yeah. Even then sometimes I'd be like expecting to be an assistant <laughs> where they consider me, you know. And so yeah, first of all, that was just like that's a very exciting experience and it's a very valuable learning experience. So that was sick. And then yeah, it was just great to work on something that was like it's it's very different from what I would do normally. Like I normally work do a lot of I'm quite interested in like fantasy and magical realism and in, in yeah. doing things that are unusual. So, and Ken is very real. Very much. Like it is quite like a, you know, it's like a, I really feel like this is more of a theatery term, but like it's quite kitchen sink drama. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, <laughs> classic kitchen sink. Um, but yeah, like it's very, you know, it's quite a straight ahead story. And so, yeah, it was very exciting to like work on something that was different from what I would naturally pick to make so yeah it was a good challenge and then yeah I was also just exciting to work with Liv because I wanted to work with Liv and Bjorn and Millie who were the other people in the team um who were all amazing yeah it was really good like and also like how often do you do a period drama for a student film that's like yeah, quite ambitious quite um yeah so um I was excited about that as well the kind of challenges of doing <laughs> a period drama and like thinking like how can from my end like how can I make it look dated not not dated but how can I make it look like it's from another time yeah or like it's like a memory rather than it's it's now because it's it's not now you know it's meant to have already happened which is kind of the sad thing about the story in a way because you know I don't want to say exactly what happens but like when you watch it like it's in the past like this Mm. is something that that can't be changed like when films are set now there's an element of and then something could happen after the credits roll to the characters but with this kind of film like you kind of know what happened in a way. So yeah, it was good, but a very melancholy story. Um, <laughs> I read the script and I, I do really like it. I can't wait to watch it. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. And also I did feel like I was the only Scottish DOP on the course. So I was yeah. like, well, I think I need to be the one that shoots this because otherwise there would have been no Scottish people on the team apart from Craig who mm. wrote it. Um and uh, yeah, Craig wasn't going to be on set. So I was like, someone <laughs> needs to be here to like keep the side up. Like, definitely, because it is a story <laughs> after all. So. I know, yeah, exactly. And like, you know, I, I enjoyed that like 
I felt very that was one of the sets where I felt the most surrounded by my people because <laughs> there was um all the actors are Scottish and yeah. uh, the majority of my camera crew other than Leo was Scottish so <laughs> I felt very like you know Leo is very yeah Leo's got a Scottish constitution yeah we're 11 <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Hi guys, hope you're enjoying this episode of Just Get A Real Job. If you're really enjoying the podcast, remember to follow us on all streaming platforms. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, remember to give us a review. We really do appreciate your support. So remember to share this with your friends and family so they too can enjoy the next episodes of Just Get A Real Job. And now, back to the show. No, so did, so I, also, I watched the day before we did the podcast, I watched your film... Um, and I'm probably pink and blue. It's called. Yes, yeah. Right. Blue, I was yeah. so scared. I was going to say like pink and red or something. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> no, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I was in, what you did? You film that before? You filmed that before you went on the masters, or didn't you? Yes. Yeah. So that was filmed in the March of the of the year. Like it was filmed a few months before the masters mm. on the on the DSLR, the old DSLR there. <laughs> Oh, it looks amazing. I can't. Oh, thank I saying, you. Yeah, I was saying to you before we started the recording, just like I can't believe how good the production quality on that was. Like it just looks oh, amazing. Like the the scene in the bar when they're all drinking like the cocktails and stuff. It look, look I love the colours. It's really <gasps> yeah. Awesome. That's all down to like we had um a really good. Well, we had this girl called Cleo Jackson who she's down in London now, but she's such a gem. She's so fabulous. And um yeah, she kind of came on as a kind of assistant. Like she was just going to come and basically help us out and. And uh, yeah, then we then she just had all these amazing ideas for the production design. And yeah, she everything in the bar is her basically. And like also the pill packets, she like made all the pill packets and she made all the pills and everything. So yeah, just like creds to Cleo because that was <laughs> it looks so good. It's interesting, like because we released that, it took a, it had quite a long post production period just because of life rather than like because of technical issues so it's interesting because we released that like actually like just before I shot the two grad films so it was a really funny exercise to like watch something I'd made before I'd learned anything from the course and see like the things I liked about what I did before and also see the things that I'm like oh this is how I would do that now is a very good like learning experience but yeah like yeah that was a fun film to make and also like I just love that because the collective that um that I made it with Giller um Mm. they're like like the me and the two girls that like run it are like we're like best friends like they're my flatmates you know so like you guys got anything else coming like in the pipeline with Giller so we have a few things We're we're currently like working on a few scripts. We haven't like, we had to take a pause for a year because um, all three of us were like basically studying and slash like working kind of big jobs as it were, but we're working on a few ideas. I'm writing something. Um, Anna who wrote Pink and Blue is, um, is also writing something. So yeah, we've got some stuff coming up. Um, and Rosie who composes the music is going to compose music for the other grad film that I did 112. I was about to say I might have made a mistake because you actually DOP two films didn't you? Uh, yes I did yeah but that's, that's not like a mistake. <laughs> okay. But yeah, yeah I did I also did the sci-fi one. Yeah which look uh, from the images looks really good. Uh, do you mind yeah, talking thanks. a wee bit about that as well? I'll plug all yeah. these in they'll put them all below. Oh <laughs> sick um <laughs> but yeah no yeah 112 is great that's then um, the same editor as a uh, Kin Millie is working on that and uh, but that's with Maddie Romero who is um, a director from uh, from America. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, she's super cool. Um, and she wrote One Twelve Two. Um, that one is it's a funny production because we didn't have a producer, so um, all three of us are were the producers. So that was um, that was a strip more stressful production yeah. because the good thing about Kin is that you have Bjorn there. So sometimes I could yeah. be like, Bjorn, it's all going wrong, and it would be <laughs> Bjorn's job to fix it. Whereas on One Twelve, when things are all going wrong, it was. <laughs> my job to fix it um or our job but yeah that's like I'd say it's like kitschy it's like a sci-fi kind of romp about if someone were to adopt an artificially intelligent robot is what it's about but it's it's actually got many there's many things that uh start like kind of storylines it's got a lot mm-hmm. going on in it but yeah so it's good fun that one is like a good comedy yeah um I'll which definitely... is a nice contrast yeah yeah I'll yeah like... because I I always think of it as like it's I did them in a funny order because 112 was shot before Kin and 112 was like you know the I mean behind the camera it's always the same it doesn't really matter what the content is unless it's incredibly heavy you you know if the vibe is good it doesn't and this it's a serious scene you can still have a good vibe behind mm-hmm. the camera yeah 112 was like filming hilarious stuff and having a hilarious time and Kin was like filming sad and depressing stuff and then behind the camera having a hilarious time which is just like yeah <laughs> a strange contrast <laughs> that's what it's all about though yeah um, totally but you know I'm, I'm excited to see both those films i'm looking forward to it and it's a shame we could never make our for the three minute together because i know in the future we can maybe revisit i know oh well right. maddie and i definitely have designs to try and make that happen awesome. so yeah, we'll, we'll, if if we can make that happen then yep that'd be amazing yeah. so yeah i ask everyone that comes on the podcast to talk about the worst part-time job they'd ever worked or just the job they'd worked that was really bad so I just wondered if you had any yeah. funny stories from that I'm trying to think if I have so I've done a few different jobs I mean I'm a bit of a retail queen so uh I'm all about retail that's like what I did through most of uni and I do now but that's because I just love customer service um anyway <laughs> Um, my first so my obviously my ultimate like first part-time job was babysitting awesome. which was fine yeah so much babysitting I had an absolute racket because I was the older sister of two siblings who were younger enough than me that I was old enough to babysit both like age groups and I was one of the older only older siblings in the kind of in the catchment area so I used to have like when I was in high school I used to babysit like three or four days a week and I'd make like upwards of like 200 pounds cash in hand <laughs> every week from like these crazy babysitting jobs but yeah the first kind of job job I had I was a KP like a kitchen porter in um, a Japanese restaurant which was horrible um, and I won't say the name of the place because it still exists but it's in Edinburgh okay and I went in for my first shift and I was standing at the dishwasher slash sink cleaning as the kitchen porter is, is wont to do uh, and I heard the door like this is on the first shift like literally an hour in I heard the door like slam open and I was like I was like oh fuck like I was also very nervous like I was a very nervous like undergrad university student so I was like yeah. <laughs> like this and then this plate like flies across the kitchen and smashes next to my head Oh my God. Um, and I turned around and it was the manager of the restaurant and he oh. brought in a customer's meal and thrown the plate across the rest like across the kitchen and then he turned to one of the chefs because there were two chefs in the room and he was like 
that was the wrong order. Oh my god! And like, and left the room. And then one of, <laughs> and I was just standing there, like, and one of the chefs turned to me and he was like, "Welcome to," and then said the name of the <laughs> restaurant, but I won't say it now. <laughs> but they have to. Did you leave? Um, I stayed for like three more weeks um, and the, the plate throwing happened, I think, four or five more times. And I just got to a point where I was like, I actually can't take it. The atmosphere is the, horrible. The plate, like, um, smashed, like, yeah, it smashed. Yeah. Like it was like psh, and there was like also sushi on it. Fuck. So it was really annoying because all the sushi like went into the dishwasher and the sink that I was meant to be using to clean everything. So then I had to like pick all the sushi out. One of the main reasons I stayed is because the chefs used to like make sushi for me at the end of the shift. <laughs> So I would get like a free meal. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, that was a truly awful job. Just the atmosphere was not nice. And the chefs were like, we're about to quit. And I was like, God, well, these guys are about to quit. Like, why am I here? <laughs> yeah. I had this like irrational fear that like the chefs would quit and they would like make me be the new chef. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good <laughs> Yeah. And I'd be like, but I can only wash dishes. <laughs> That's all I know how to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a student all I could do was like a good pot noodle <laughs> I was like if all the customers want to have like a, a solid pot noodle that maybe has a boiled egg in it then I can be buy the some chef sushi from Tesco and bring it in. <laughs> yeah exactly and like I'll just put it on a plate for you all nice <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good that's a good worst part mm. like so I yeah I usually get um the, my guests to sort of end on this but like every time I've asked this they people have been reluctant to give tips because they feel like they are only at the start of their career but I think I always say to them I think where everyone has valid things to say so do you have any tips for anyone who wants to maybe be a filmmaker who is a filmmaker right now and trying to get further in it or wants to be a cinematographer so do you have any good tips for them so I think like I mean I would say probably like similarly to everyone like again like I don't know how much advice I can give because I'm just also very mm -hmm. at the beginning like but I'm trying to think of the so I think first of all it's it's really important to I mean, it's the thing I was saying before. It's important to accept that when you're making your own work, you might make things that you that aren't good, mm -hmm. or you might make things that like you don't like a few months after you've made them, or even like the day after you made it. You might on the day of be like, you know, I go and like when I do photography, sometimes I like, you know, I always call it like LCD gazing because I'll like look at the screen and like look at all the photos I just took before I've even got them on a like a good yeah. screen at home. And I'll be like, wow, that photo is it's potentially the best photo I ever took. And then I'll like instant, I'll get it on the computer and be like, that is absolute gash. So like, I think it's important to remember that you can make things that are bad. And that doesn't mean you're a bad artist it, because every artist will have made things that they never showed anyone. Mm -hmm. it, like it doesn't matter who they are. So that's an important thing to remember. And it's hard to remember. I definitely forget that sometimes still. And I guess the other thing I suppose is like, just try and remember that like definitely in the work I work a lot in theatre now um like I do a lot of videography for theatre and a lot of my work I get because people liked like me it's not really about I do the work well but I don't necessarily do it particularly better than any other like Joe blogs with a camera could do it I mean maybe I'm talking myself down there but you know like I do think there are other people that could do it the same caliber and it's just that when you come on set or when you come to a job, like be nice, be kind, like be a team player, like, you know, you don't have to be fake, but like maybe don't chat about people behind their backs and like yeah. think a little bit about, you know, etiquette, like being being polite, that will get you 
that'll get you far like your reputation as a person is just as important as your skills and like that's the thing you know you can go and do an MA or, or go to a training course or go to an undergrad or, or whatever and learn a skill that you need like if you want to learn a technical skill but you can't go do an MA and having a good personality <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> try and like you know even if in even if inside your head you're like cursing someone out which will happen all the time mm. keep it try and keep it inside and vent mm. when you're offset because getting on with people is what will get you yeah to the next job no that that's really that's a great advice actually before we end you gave me some advice I don't know if you remember you said something to me on this on um we we're dancing with someone else set and it honestly was one of the best things I needed to hear it this year you said to me like <laughs> because I was freaking out about my careers and blah blah we just finished the course and you said to me mm-hmm. remember your career is different from your art and I just I really like that like I know, yeah. I know it's a simple thing to say but like honestly that has like really helped me yeah about it, so thanks for that. oh I'm glad that's yeah that's another thing that is important for sure because that yeah they're not the same they're they're really not the same I'm glad that that was I, I actually remember saying that to you as yeah. well because that's something I always remind myself yeah, if you especially when you're an expressive person and like you can't let it's it's really important to not let other people be the reason that your art feels valid. Because why do you make it? Like if, if you make it to express something about yourself, or mm-hmm. if you make it to express an idea or a feeling that you have, or just because you want to make it, like why does that need that like sense of also and now I'm also like now I'm also the director of this like yeah. yeah I just think you should see them as separate I, I agree no, I agree great. with myself in the past <laughs> oh, it's, it's, Delilah thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast I, I really enjoyed chanting I, no of course talk for ages and like I don't even know how to <laughs> talk I'm not looking at once which is you know a good sign so I yeah good nice I know I mean we could definitely keep going but because <laughs> we didn't even talk about submarine what oh my god we, <laughs> we didn't mention submarine yet what, yeah what I know. Yeah, what a classic film. That's the note we should end on, is that everyone should go and watch Submarine. Yeah, if you've not seen it, go and watch Submarine right now. Yeah, and then after you've watched Submarine, you should watch Zazie Don the Metro, and you should also watch Kieslowski's Three Colours trilogy. Which then... I'm actually about to watch, by the way. I've got the, I'm going to, I've ordered the DVDs of that because I've been meaning to see it for years, and I'm, yeah, I'm going to watch that before the end of the yeah. year. Yeah, when you watch that, you'll see, like, it, it will open Submarine up to you. Yeah. on a whole other level like yeah. it makes you see that Richard Ayoade is so sensitive oh, wow. <laughs> which is another reason I love him <laughs> oh, I need to see the double as well. I've never actually seen the double which is oh that's cool. actually it is good I like the double watch that too I'll, I'll mm-hmm. add it on my list for the end of the year yeah so yeah. everyone go and watch Submarine and thanks yeah, for go and watch Submarine and yeah thanks Jamie <laughs> I wouldn't follow up an outro today <laughs> yeah exactly just finish with that <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Just Get A Real Job. Remember that underneath the podcast, we link everything. So if you want to go and find out a bit more about Delilah's SoundCloud or the film she's been involved in, just check the links below. Anyway, I've been Jamie McKinley. This is Just Get A Real Job. And we'll be back in next week for another episode. So until then, stay safe, folks. Just get a real job.